We are taking a break from studying the book of Luke that we started in December of last year. And this month, we are taking time just to have a conversion around discipleship. Remembering that the, one of the reasons, um, or rather one of the assignments that Christ gave us was that we would make disciples of all nations. And so last Sunday, we began by talking about evangelism. Discipleship cannot happen unless evangelism happens. And MJ uh, took us through uh, the conversion around evangelism, and he did an awesome job. Thank you, MJ, for allowing the Lord to use you mightily last Sunday. So today, we continue with that discussion around discipleship. And let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, when God created the universe, and when he created man, he had a perfect plan for humanity. And part of this plan is that humans would have perfect harmony with him, that we would have a great relationship with him, that we would continually enjoy fellowshipping with him in his presence. That was God's perfect picture for humanity. And then Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve decided otherwise. They decided they're going to follow what they feel is best. They're going to lead themselves. They're not going to obey what God had told them to do. And so by eating the forbidden fruit, they broke the fellowship they had with God. They broke that beautiful harmony that they had with God and with the rest of creation. They broke the fellowship and they were cast out of God's presence. And if you read Genesis chapter 3, at that very moment when they sinned and when God found them out, he started a journey of reconciling humanity back to God. And he gave a promise at that point and said, the seed of the woman will get to crush the head of the serpent. And throughout the Bible, we get to see the redemption story where God is trying to reconcile human beings back to God, where God is trying and continually looking to draw you and I back to himself. First, I'd like us to remember a few things. That God is perfect, that God is the source of all wisdom, that whatever plan God would come up with is the best plan that, could, that anyone could ever come up with. He is God, he is great, he is mighty. The Bible tells us in first, Corinthians chapter 1 verses 25 that the, foolish, the foolishness of God is wiser than the human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So whatever plan God could come up with is the best that any one of us could ever put together. And if all of us brainstormed for such a long time, we would not still come up with a better plan than what God put in place. And so God decides that he's going to call a gentleman, a man called Abraham, that he would respond by faith to go to a place that he did not know. And daily he obeyed God. Right now we refer to him as the father of faith. Through Abraham, God brings forth the nation of Israel. So that through the nation of Israel, God would reveal to the whole world who he is and through the nation of Israel that he would bring reconciliation to the whole of humanity. 
Through Israel, God brings Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, to come and live here on earth to show how we should live and eventually to go to the cross to pay for our sin. And so God put that plan together. And we know where that plan has reached so far, that Christ has come, that Christ has paid the price for us, that now we can be reconciled to God. Now, just think with me for a, uh, a minute, yeah? Jesus would have come in this age. Jesus would have come in 2022. And he would have had the best technology. He could preach a message wherever in Israel, in Bethany. He would speak and preach a message and the whole world would tune in and, and, and just say, hey, Jesus is preaching right now. Let's all tune in. Let's listen to the sermon or whatever it is that he would like to tell us. Jesus would have come right now. He would have come in this age when a sermon can be recorded and whoever missed the sermon would go back and say, hey, what did, what did Jesus teach today? And they go back to the archives, either to YouTube or whatever uh, uh, channel that they would use, and they would get to listen to that sermon. But Jesus did not come in this age. He chose to come in the first century. That was his plan. Remember, he is the wisest, he is the source of wisdom. Remember, his foolishness is still wiser than our wisdom. So him choosing the first century is still the best plan that could ever be. So Jesus comes in the first century. He chooses 12 gentlemen. As in, Jesus would have gone through the, the, the religious system. He would have talked to uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the scribes, he would have taught them and told them, hey, I am the Messiah, listen to me. He would have gone to the king. But then he chose that he would come, and then for three years, he would walk with 12 gentlemen. That he would not be meeting them at once a week. You know the way you schedule a meeting and say, uh, Amani, do you have some time this week? Let's meet for an hour. Let's talk about the word of God. Let's study the word of God. He did not schedule a one-hour meeting with these 12 gentlemen every single week or every single month. Instead, he decided to live with these gentlemen. He decided to spend so much time with these gentlemen such that they would know who he is, that he would model to them everything they needed to know. He not only spent time with them, but he took a lot of time to teach, to teach them the word of God. Eh, no, my he took time to teach them the word of God. MJ pointed out last Sunday that, uh, and him quoting St. Francis, Francis of Assisi, that we should teach the word of God. However, as we teach the word of God, people should also see it in action. Jesus did not say, let me leave such a life representing the kingdom of God. Let me leave it so well and hope that these 12 gentlemen will get to see how I live and somehow, miraculously, God will answer all the questions they have. They would know how to pray as they see me pray. They would understand the kingdom of God. Jesus did not take that uh, risk to say they will just look at my life and they will know about the kingdom of God. He modeled it and then he taught them. He did not only teach them, 
but he did not hide anything in his life. He showed these disciples how a believer, or rather anyone who belongs to the kingdom of God, should behave when they are in trouble, when there are difficult circumstances, when they are angry. When Jesus was angry, he did not hide from his disciples. He showed them how a believer should behave when they are angry. He showed them how a believer should behave when they are tired and when they are weary and when they are in trouble and when there is a storm and when uh, the times are tough. He showed them how to teach. He showed them how to treat people who are trying to... Um, you remember those, those Pharisees, they were trying to trap him with questions. He did not hide any, any of these things before, uh, before his disciples. Instead, he showed them how a believer should handle all these things. When he met a demon-possessed person, when he met a sick person, he showed them how they should deal with it. And the fourth thing that Jesus did with these 12 gentlemen is he prayed for them. He prayed for them over and over and over again. Four things he did. He spent a lot of time with them. Not the occasional weekly, monthly meetings. He spent so much time with them. He taught them. Number three, he modeled to them what it means to be a believer and he prayed for them. When he had poured himself completely to these 12 men, he told them, go, do what I have done to you. I called you, I made you disciples, go out and make disciples. Matthew 28:18 uh, to 20 says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'd like to point out that God's plan God's strategy to reconcile humanity back to himself is not yet done. That strategy did not end with Jesus going to the cross, hey, hey, to the cross and resurrecting. His plan did not stop with Jesus going to the cross. Instead, Whoever believes in Jesus Christ, you and I, and I who believe in Jesus Christ, we are part of that strategy to reconcile humanity back to God. Oh, guy. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't see it. And so God is calling you and I to continue in that strategy. And he's calling us to do exactly what Jesus did. He's calling you and I to spend time with younger believers like Jesus spent time with other believers. That not the occasional time that you can squeeze out of your busy schedule, that you would intentionally make and create time and spend, and spend it with these people that you are discipling. 
that number two, you would not assume that they would somehow get to know the truth of God's word, but that intentionally you would teach them what the word of God says. You would teach them how a believer should respond in different situations and circumstances. That you would pray for them and pray together with them. That you would model to them what it means to be a believer. God is calling us to be part of that strategy to reconcile humanity back to himself. Somewhere along the line between the 12 disciples and where we are today, the pipe got clogged, Pahali, I don't know where, but somewhere disciples stopped making disciples, somewhere we changed it to, we just want to make converts. We just want people to believe in Christ Jesus. And we assume that so long as they have confessed Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, then they know all they need to know about being a believer. But that was not God's plan. Somewhere the pipe got clogged. No wonder in this nation we say we are 80% Christians. But we can't see the Christianity in this nation. We can't see it. Because many believe in Jesus Christ, but few are discipled. It's possible that most of us here have not been discipled. That all we know about Christ so far is because somehow by God's grace, we listened to that sermon and we read that book and we opened the Bible to that chapter and we read it and somehow we have picked a little bit here and there and here and there. But we have not been discipled. Nobody has taken the time to sit with us and show us what it means to be a believer and to be a follower of Christ. And so some of us have ended up eating junk food only. Some of us have ended up uh, having perceptions that are not godly. And we so stand on those uh, perceptions and believe it is God's word and what God wants for us. We who are believers today stand on the shoulders of those who have gone ahead of us. We who are believers right now stand on the shoulders of the 12 disciples. Those guys put their life on the line to be able to make disciples. They went into territories where they were persecuted for their faith because they, they, they refused to keep quiet. They went out, they shared the gospel, they made disciples. And we today stand on the shoulders of those 12, all of whom 11 were martyred and one died of old age. We stand on the shoulders of the Apostle Paul, who left the Jews and came to us, the Gentiles, to teach us God's word, to disciple us, to plant churches that make disciples. We stand on his shoulders. Allow me to mention the things that Paul went through. 2 Corinthians 11, 23b all the way to 29. 2 Corinthians 11, 23b. In harder labor, in more imprisonment, in worse beatings, in frequent danger of death, Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times 
I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. In my frequent journeys, I have been in danger from rivers and from bandits, in danger from my countrymen and from Gentiles, in, in danger in the city and in the country, in danger um, on the sea and among false brothers, in labor and in toil, and often without sleep, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from, the, uh, apart from this extreme trials, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is, uh, who is led into sin and I do not burn with grief? Then he moves on, he keeps explaining a little bit more. But then he goes on explaining what he has had to go through for the Gentiles, you and I, to receive the gospel. For all those churches in Asia and everywhere he went, for them to be planted, it cost so much. For the people to be, uh, to be discipled, it took so much. And you and I today stand on the shoulders of Paul who paid such a great price that we would have the kind of relationship that we have with Jesus right now. We stand on the shoulders of missionaries who left their homes and came to Africa and taught us the word of God. They came going, uh, rather they left their home going to a place they didn't know. Most of them died because of sicknesses, because of malaria. Some of them were killed because they went into cannibalistic communities. Some of them lost their children, some of them lost their marriages. They paid such a huge price so that you and I get to hear the gospel, so that you and I get to be discipled, so that you and I can enjoy such a good relationship with God like we have. We stand on the shoulders of these men and women who gave their lives that we may be discipled. So the question is, will we be the ones who choose to clog the pipe? That after these men and women laid their lives down, that we may be disciples, that we would be the generation that says, us guys, now that we have Jesus, now that we know who he is, we are going to keep him for ourselves. And we are going to come here, we are going to worship God, we are going to dance, we are going to sing to him, but we are not going to tell anyone else about the love of Christ. Are we the guys, will this generation be the generation that is counted as the one that stops making disciples, that after so many have labored that we be discipled, that we are the, the generation that will stop that? Will we be the ones that waste the sacrifice that the 12 disciples gave? Will we be the ones that stop or waste the sacrifice that Paul and the missionaries, and those who have gone ahead of us, have made for our sake. Will we be the ones that frustrate God's plan for redeeming humanity? Because he is calling you and I to be part of that redemptive work. That he would use you and I to make disciples. That that process would continue and the whole world 
would get discipled and they would get to hear about the gospel. Somebody may say, Pastor, uh, you're saying all these things, but practically almost everyone knows about Christ. People have had opportunities to be discipled. Who are we going to disciple? Who are we going to evangelize to? So I did a bit of research and came up with a bit of statistics. 31% of the people in the world right now are Christians. So that means 69.8 people in this world right now are not Christians. Any other to the difficult two-thirds majority. Out of the 31% of the people who are believers right now, a fraction of them have been discipled. A fraction. Let's be, let's be so generous and say 10% of these have been discipled. So which means 90% of the world have not been discipled. Will we be the generation that frustrates God's plan of redeeming humanity back to himself? Or will we be the generation that is counted and say that they put everything on the line so that God's plan, God's master plan for, for redeeming humanity is accomplished? There are some of us here who are called to be missionaries. There are some of us who are called to go out and plant churches. There are some of us here who are called to be in full-time ministry. That we may be at the forefront of training the body of Christ to be able to make disciples. All of us, however, are called to make disciples. The responsibility of the pastoral team here is to train you to make disciples. And then alongside you, we all make disciples together. God is calling us that we would prioritize this call that we would make time not to occasionally meet somebody and go through a Bible study with them, but to actually open up your life. Allow them into your space. Spend time with them. Let them see what it means to be a believer. Let them see what it means to have faith. Let them see what it means to trust God in your marriage. That you spend time teaching them the word of God. You spend time praying together with them and for them. That you spend time modeling to them what it means to a believer. And after you have poured all that, is in, all that Christ has poured in you, after you have poured that into them, that you challenge them also to go out and make disciples. As you pick another 
one or two or three or four or five and start the journey again together with them. And the process is replicated over and over again until the remaining 90% of the world is actually discipled. And God's redemptive plan works. I'd like us to respond in prayer. There's so much we'll talk about. We have another two Sundays to talk about discipleship. And we're going to go down into the details. How does, what, how does discipleship look like? How do I do that? But as I was praying and preparing for how to begin or rather how to continue with this conversation, God laid this so heavy in my heart that I do not like to add anything else or remove anything from it. I don't know, what is God laying in your heart as you listen to this sermon? What is God saying to you? Would you respond in prayer right now? I'm going to invite the worship team just to come back up. And all, almost all the songs we sang were just in line with what God was preparing us to. And at some point, there's a song we sang and which said, if the Lord calls you, you need to answer. And that is a, a South African song. If God calls you, would you answer? And then we said, Lord, would you allow that I would decrease, that you will increase, that my priorities in life would reduce, that my, whatever I feel is important, that that would go down and that I would have your priority as my priority. And then we, we prayed and, uh, in, in song and said, Lord, would you mold me into who you want me to be? And like almost all those songs were speaking into just God transforming us and changing us and realigning us to what he wants us to be and to do. Would we just pray right now? As the instruments are playing and as we are not singing verbally, would we just talk to God right now and respond in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for the sacrifice that those who are obedient to you made. That Lord, these men and women were martyred because they chose not to be safe but to be obedient to you and share the gospel and make disciples. Lord, thank you for their obedience. Thank you, Father, because they obeyed you. Thank you for their sacrifice. Lord, I pray for all of us today, including myself, that generations from now, should you tarry, may they make the same prayer and, and, and thank you for our willingness to be obedient to you, 
to make disciples, no matter the cost, because it does cost. It costs time. It costs opening our life that people will see how we live and how we interact with you. It costs modeling to them what it means to be a believer. It costs to pray for them. It costs to do this over and over and over again. It costs. Lord, right now, we may not, we may not get to the place where we need to lay our lives down. Oh Lord, but we may need to cut a few things from our schedule so that we have a bit more time to make disciples, Lord. Because this is important to you. Because this is central to your heart. So Lord, I pray right now for myself and for all of us who are here, those listening online, that Father, would you give us a heart like yours? Would you help our hearts to beat like yours beats? That Lord, we would get the conviction to go out and share this gospel, even though it may not be comfortable. To go out and make disciples, even though it may not be comfortable. Father, would you help us to be obedient to you, however hard it may be, and make disciples. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to pray for anyone here who is saying there's a calling upon my life to either be a missionary to either be a church planter to either be part of full-time ministry and you have been battling with it for such a long time you have been counting the cost and saying it's it's too heavy i can't do it if you are here i'd like to invite you just to put up your hand you feel God is calling you to do more. But maybe you are thinking, how will I pay bills for my family? God is the provider. He will provide for you and your family. It could be that you say, I do not know what to say. All Jesus says is, come and I will make you the fisher of men. All he wants is obedience to you. Rather obedience from you. So if you're there, would you just put up your hand wherever you are. Father Lord, we continue in prayer. And we pray for everyone, Lord, who is battling with that call. And thinking like the disciples, I leave my career and get into this thing I don't know how to do. Fathers, you called all of the 12 disciples one by one from their careers, from what they knew. Lord, right now, whoever is struggling with that call that you have given to them, would you just clarify it for them? Would you confirm that call upon their lives? Would you give them the strength to be able to be obedient to that call? And would you give them the strength to be able to pay the cost of obeying you? Now I'd like to invite us to just all stand up.
And I want us to make this prayer with this song. Whichever one you pick. Uh, let us make a prayer alongside it that God, that God would help us to be disciple makers. We sang and said, I am the salt of the earth. We sang and said, if God calls you, do not refuse to answer. We sang and said, Nipunguke na wewe uongezeke. And we sang and said, Mold me into who you want me to be. Any one of those songs is in line with what God is calling us to do. As we sing those songs, or that one song, may we just tell God, I am here, I'm surrendering everything, and I'm, I'm obeying that call. And then we'll conclude. Come on. 
Dear Lord, we acknowledge that you have given a command. We acknowledge that it is not easy to obey that command. But Lord, we also make a proclamation this morning that Lord, we want to obey that command. So would you help us to come to the place where we will be able to obey that command? There's somebody here, God is speaking to your heart. And he's, he's, he's poking your heart so badly right now. There's somebody who is called to finance missionaries, to finance these new engagements. We do not have to cut down our spending as a congregation to plant churches. There's somebody here God is speaking to to finance these things. There's somebody God is calling to get into a place of prayer, to deeply intercede for these ventures. Lord, would you help us to be obedient to you? Would you help us to prioritize your work and to make disciples? Thank you, Father, because you have been with us in this service. We choose to give you all the glory and all the honor. Something else God is reminding me is there's somebody who feels inadequate. God can't use me in that manner. God called Moses, yet he was he stuttered in his conversations. He called Jeremiah, yet he was very young. He called many different people despite their shortcoming, despite they are being untrained. All he's looking for is your obedience. Just say yes, Lord. He will train you. He will show you the way. Don't be afraid. Fear is not of God. Instead, God calls us to respond by faith and say, Lord, I can't see it, but I see you. And so I'm going to do it afraid anyway. Because you are my guide. So, Father, as a congregation, we choose to obey you. We choose to obey you. We choose to obey you. And we confess that indeed we are the salt of the earth. Indeed, you are that city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Indeed, we are the light of the world. We confess that by faith, that from now on we will live it. That in our workspaces, Father, we will represent you there and we will make disciples in our workspaces, in our neighborhoods, in our societies, in our society rather, in our nation and wherever it is that you allow us to be, that we will start with where we are, that we will start with that house manager in our house and then go forth. This we pray in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let us celebrate the Lord.